Hello and welcome back to Pharmacist Diaries, the podcast that reveals the secret lives of pharmacists from where their journeys began, where they are now and everything in between. I am your host Anisha Patel and on today's episode Poonam Lum and I take a deep dive into our personal journeys with recruitment. We share things that have worked really well for us as individuals, as well as elements of recruitment that we have had to develop with our experience and practice. As we both have several years of experience now and we interview junior pharmacists in our roles, we also share some useful tips on what employers are looking for in applications and interviews. I really hope you enjoy it. Don't forget to check out episode 32 of the podcast where I interview Poonam and share our love for pediatrics. Enjoy! Because I, I do spend, obviously, all of my episodes interviewing someone. Mm-hmm. And I'm always craving for someone to have a conversation with yeah. me. And not a lot of people ask questions to me. They're, they're more focused on, oh, no, what's she going to ask me next? Yeah. You know, or what's going to come up? Yeah. That, um, kind of like a, an interview. Nervous, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I've been wanting to do a, a special episode on recruitment simply because we obviously we have a GSTT, we've got so many pre-regs that come through and they're all kind of applying for jobs at the moment. Um, and it, they they seem to be applying to any job that comes up um, on the NHS jobs website. And I think it's really important to kind of share what works, what doesn't work. And, and also when you're applying for jobs, do apply for things that you really want to actually go for. Yeah don't just apply for anything because I feel yes it's good to get interview practice at this stage especially as an early you know it's your first ever real job after pre-reg year it's really important but at the same time um, I think it's worthwhile to understand the organization that you're applying for and really kind of think about whether or not you're going to enjoy working for them and why Definitely. you want to go and work for them and not because we've had we've had pre-regers applying for jobs in cities way outside London. They've been offered the job. They've gone to the interview. They've been offered the job. And then they realize, well, I don't really want to move to I don't even know yeah. N- Nottingham or Newcastle. Yeah. And it's a, it's a way, it's not a waste of time, but it 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 is a slight waste of time for the employer. I completely agree to to go through that, and um, so I think raising awareness on interviews and trying to help the younger generation of pharmacists improve on their skills will then help them to maybe shortlist a little bit better on on, on what jobs they actually want and why they actually want them in the first place. Exactly, and I com- I completely agree with that. I think. When applying for jobs, you're right, there are so many jobs on NHS jobs and when you're having a look. And there is always this sort of last-minute panic, this last-minute frenzy that, you know, I haven't got a job or my colleagues and peers around me have started getting job offers and I still haven't got a job. And it's just that sort of, when you go for an interview and you're talking about why you want this job, why they should hire you or why you're perfect for this job, if if that genuine interest or passion isn't there, it's very difficult to recreate that. And mm. the people that are interviewing you will pick up on that. You know, so it's it's like your your genuine interest and passion with regards to a job that you're applying for will it will be seen. It's not something that and and if if you're applying just for the sake of applying, then you're absolutely right. It's not only is it sort of unfair to the employer, but also it's unfair to you because um, you might end up doing a job that you then don't enjoy and you've just applied for the sake of applying. Mm. Yeah. And also when you think about um, applying for your kind of first job, yes, all band six jobs are relatively generic in what they, what, skills and what kind of ward areas that that you cover and you're rotational usually with some form of on-call whether it's a residency or whether it's um, on-call from home but that differentiation between residency and on-call is really easy for someone to identify whether or not they're actually happy to do it and most most of the pre-regs by now will be aware that yes 
I want to go for that type of job or no, 100%, I don't care about encores. I just want to do my standard nine to five, enjoy what I'm doing, rotate, get my diploma done and, and you know, find the specialty or, or they already know which specialty they're aiming for and that helps them to achieve that goal. Um, and it is a smaller number of the population going for these residency programs. It's not for everyone, which is completely fair enough. Um, but when you apply for these jobs, I think it's worthwhile to consider it when you look at the employer and you look at the band six job in itself and what it provides. Also have a look at the different types of specialties that that hospital offers, because once you finish that two to three year band six rotational role you will then apply for band seven jobs now obviously you can leave that hospital and go work elsewhere and find the specialty that you enjoy and are passionate about but there is something really nice about being loyal to an employer um and there is something really nice about growing within the organization that you started with to some extent. And I know you've had some experience with this and kind of um, toying between leaving an organization that you kind of got your grounding from or whether to stay in it and, and continue your, your journey um, as, as a band seven or band eight a onwards. Um, but when you uh, look at these organizations, have a look at what, pharmacy services they have so that you can maybe visualize and see yourself in that kind of specialist role and what you might be able to achieve because that's where you might be able to identify which um, hospital that you really want to apply for and not just apply everywhere definitely and I think the other thing is that um, there's a lot of generally a lot of pressure on, on sixes like throughout their rotational um, career as a band six as to you know what they want to do next and actually, um, there are band sixes out there that might not know what they want to do next or might consider um, maybe a sideways move uh, into a particular uh, band six post. So um, there are certain posts that won't be rotational that might be in a specific area. So if you feel like you've perhaps enjoyed aseptics, for example, or technical services, you might want to apply for a particular job in that particular area to develop your skills further. Um, and also you've got rotational band seven posts as well so you know that's not it's not to say that you know you need to have decided what you want to do um at the end of your band six um sort of working period but it's more sort of definitely agree with you more to see what's available and actually when you're applying for these hospitals to see what specialities they actually offer uh, and if any of them interest you you can build on that I definitely didn't know what I wanted to do in terms of specialty. Um, and when I applied for the residency job in Oxford, um, I wanted to go for the residency to provide me a very good foundation in a whole host of skills and not just the clinical element, but um, the residency element, which brings your you become more assertive you can become more confident your organization and time management prioritization become um heightened <laughs> very quickly you also recognize your own lim limitations really quickly yeah. as well you know you, you know when you need to shout for help and um, exactly and I and I liked a big teaching hospital because I came from a smaller hospital yeah. during pre-reg. Um, so um, having, you know, up to 15 band six residents to work with was something that I thought, oh, yeah, do you know what? I'm going to love that kind of community yeah. that gets built with a residency. Um, and I lived with other residents, which was a really nice experience. And we really did. Um, help each other you know when we lived together we really enjoyed ourselves like we had a lot of fun outside of working hours um, and we really did build like a tight-knit community um, and, and and I thoroughly enjoyed that aspect of the job so it wasn't just what I was doing in a day-to-day -day. it was building my network which was really important to me also when I looked at Oxford they had um, amazing transplant unit and this was like they did um and this is in 2010, they did intestinal transplants, renal transplants, um, heart, 
They did a whole bunch of different types of transplants. Um, they had an amazing infectious diseases um, unit, um, which was really, really cool. Um, we did a lot of TPN um, and the expectations on a junior pharmacist were really high. So you knew that you would be learning at a very fast pace and kind of be put into MDT situations very quickly. Um, which I was looking forward to because I was I was quite confident when I started, so I was really excited about all of this because I really enjoyed that aspect during pre-reg, and then I was actually going to be a pharmacist and I was going to be that person. It wasn't just shadowing or, you know, yeah. waddling around next to an eight A. Remember that sense of achievement when you got your first green pen? This was before e-prescribing days, but that used to yeah. be. It was very special, and we had a we had a green lanyard, which I still wear now <laughs> from Oxford. Which, yeah, I love that thing, and um, yeah, no, I used to love the green yeah. pen on the paper charts. It was a very exciting moment when when we we got awarded with that. Yeah, there were so many good things when I kind of started out, but when I applied for that job, um, my interview skills were not great at that time. So, so when you applied for your um when you applied for the for your band six job I complete I was in the same boat as you in that you know we'd applied for pre-reg places um, we'd written personal statements for university UCAS applications and then um, here you are you're applying for jobs uh, and I'm I was clueless I didn't know what I should be doing and um, how I should be phrasing um my personal statement and you know what needs to go mm. into the application so how, how did you prep for that Anisha? I I did rely on quite a lot of pharmacists around me to support me so I would write my application and my personal statement in advance with lots of time for amendments and when I was doing my pre-reg year my tutor was very supportive um, she did help me with my statement and kind of assessing which areas could you know have improvement or cutting my word count down and not being repetitive um, and just getting to the point quickly um, and the way I structured my personal statement, I took it, I, I, I made it very professional. I've reviewed quite a lot of pre-regers personal statements this year. And I noticed that they're huge, Yes, you know, three, four pages yeah. long, which no one has time no. to read. Um, and when they start it, it's not like, um, a professional personal statement where you, say, dear sir or madam, you know, I'm applying for this job for blah, blah reasons. Um, you know, I made mine really professional and formal. So I kind of start my first paragraph explaining um, who I am and why I'm applying for the job. Um, the second paragraph, I give a brief history of my education and um, qualifications in terms of my degrees. Um, and then obviously I talked about my bachelor's degree in biology and chemistry, my pharmacy degree, and then my three-year diploma in, in basically three sentences, really easy. It's just a snapshot. Um, and then my first paragraph talks about my my most recent experience in quite a bit of detail. So that includes most of what I did as a pre-reg. Now, every band six hospital employer will know what a general pre-reg year consists of. So I used to just say, I've just finished my you know pre-registration year, which involves and then have like one or two sentences to basically describe what it involves because they do know. Yes. Yeah. Again, like I do keep my personal statements very formal and then I describe a lot of skills, but I don't give specific examples. Now, what our pre-regers do is they nitpick on specific like interventions or examples of things they've done on a ward where they've spoken to a doctor or changed a medication on a drug chart because of a prescribing error. Um, we need to, you need to broaden your mindset a little bit further when you write your personal statement. It's about you. It is about who you are, your personality, you know, um, what you, what you've achieved. So yes, all these little interventions and things that you've done at work during a pre-regia are valid, but these are things that you can bring up in the interview where if they ask you, well, you know, how can you demonstrate that you're good at problem solving? And then you've got your examples, which we can go into detail in a bit when we talk about interviews. But I keep it very broad in terms of the skills. So yes, I 
uh, uh, let me try and rephrase what I would have written probably this 10 years ago is that, you know, I've completed my pre-registration year at Papworth, which is a cardiology and respiratory specialist hospital. I rotated to a variety of specialties within this time, um, including blah, blah, blah. So dispensary, cardiology wards, transplant, etc. Um, the pre-registration year in general, um, due to the fact that it's rotational has really helped me to adapt to environments very quickly um, and be flexible to the to the working space that I'm exposed to like for two weeks I'm going to be on a cardiology ward and then the next two weeks I might be in the dispensary so I'm dealing with different healthcare professionals I'm having to communicate in different ways um, we've got face-to-face kind of communication with patients who come to the outpatient hatch versus on the ward you've got verbal communication with the nurses, with the doctors, potentially physios, OTs. Um, you've got written communication because we used to write in paper notes back then. Um, you've got communication to um, patients and family members. So I describe communication a little bit because that's a really important skill. Um, so I've got that adaptability. I've got flexibility, communication. Um, I, I might then look at the the um the job description and the specifications and actually highlight on that job itself, like what what are they expecting of me in terms of skill sets, and then talk about those in a very general way. After I talk about the pre-reg year, um, that usually, that whole three paragraphs probably takes up a page. Um, and then I'll kind of go into other things that I've been exposed to because for pre-regers, university life is still very valid. Like now I probably won't talk about anything that I did in university. Um, but, you know, back then I created the pharmacy society at my university because we didn't have one because we were a brand new university and why I developed this and, and what it achieved. Um, because this obviously creating that demonstrates some form of leadership um your team working and kind of connecting with and encouraging other pharmacy students to join um so there are skills that you're going to learn from that from you know administrative skills email skills you know all of that it does tie in um i also went to um turkey for a conference as a student so these are kind of like aspects that might i guess um demonstrate your skill set and personality compared to other individuals who are also applying for the same job like you need to set yourself out from the crowd and how do you do that Um, you need to think about what you've done in your life to date that will set you aside from the next person sitting next to you Um, and then once I've kind of gone through that um, you know, I do my, my kind, you know, thanks for taking time to, you know, read my personal statement and, and my application, um, look forward to hearing you kind regards or your sincerely, whatever, um, Anisha Patel, that's, that's how I do it. Um, and I still have that same format today. The structure is still there. Um, but obviously the content is, is quite different because now obviously when you're applying for kind of senior level management jobs, the expectations are completely different, but I don't go into nitty gritty details as to what I do in my day job at all. It it is an overall overarching description of who you are as a person. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, um, so I remember writing my first personal statement and sitting with, um, other pharmacists and you know we just went through what should actually be in there and I think one important thing for people to know is when you submit um, an application so generally different hospitals might use different systems but we used to use a system called recruit before and now um, the one that we're currently using at Imperial is a system called track Um, so when your employers or the people that are shortlisting receive your application they have no idea it's you. And it's done like that on purpose to prevent any bias from um, being introduced in the application process. So all that all that we'll get when we when we get an application from a candidate um, is a number. So they'll assign a number to you and then we go through your application. And that's why it's really important for your personal statement to to shine. And you have to sort of Think about it. So this is what you what that that your employees are going to read that is going to make you potentially stand out from the crowd. 
the one thing so just the basics and i'm sure that that people have heard this sort of a million times before but double triple check for typos grammar spelling it's all really important um paragraphs so make sure that it's not just one solid block of text that you've paragraphed um your personal statement that you know that it ties in nicely so you haven't got a random paragraph about audit in the middle of something that's completely not anything to do with that kind of thing so just make sure it flows properly um and i i generally when i'm writing a personal statement um it will vary a little bit depending on what the job is but i always use the um person spec or job description as a template i always find that that's quite a nice place to start because it it's your employees are already telling you in a way what they're looking for in terms of the the potential candidate for the job um and you'll probably notice as well that on the top of like on the top of these job descriptions or person spec they'll have like a letter a or a letter i um and it'll say essential criteria or desirable criteria and it's kind of it, it's kind of already telling you in a way what your employees are looking for. So if if there's an A next to a, a certain bullet point, chances are that you know that that's what their employees are going to be looking out for in your application. If there's an I, chances are there might be a question around that particular skill or requirement uh, in your interview. So so they use that as a template, I would say, and um, you know there's a lot of hints in that person's spec and job description um and the other thing that i will say is that and you touched upon it as well anisha is that we you know we know that when you're making interventions on the ward and you're talking about you know i spoke to a doctor about vancomycin i told the doctor to do this you know adjust the dose adjust the time or whatever kind of thing we know that that's the basis of of the interventions and dialogue with healthcare professionals um, but what's really important is how does that tie into the job that you're applying for? Um, so audit's a classic one um, where often candidates will talk about the audit that they conducted, um, what the results were and things. But what we want to learn and what know about you is that what skills did you pick up from carrying out this task and what how are you going to apply that further in the job that you are now potentially applying for? Um, so always learning points and how are these skills that you've picked up going to benefit you in the job that you're applying for? Exactly, exactly. And sorry I didn't mention that already, so it's good that you're here. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but audit does come up, you're Definitely. right, especially uh, pre-regs. That's something, that that's one of obviously their main projects. Yeah. And it, this is the thing as well that all – all of the pre-regs will have been through an audit yeah. and we know that, but you have to tie them into skills. Exactly. So yes, give a one sentence on what the topic is, but then tie in the skills in terms of how did you, when you did your data collection, um, were you having to use a lot of communication skills and what type of communication skills? Did you have to be assertive and get other people to help you to do that data collection and convince someone um well actually i need this help on your ward would you mind collecting your data co collecting data collection on my behalf that you do have to negotiate yeah. so you have to negotiate with another pharmacist to say well yeah i need your support um in order to collect the data um so these are the types of skills that you're starting to develop and these are the things that you need to demonstrate inside the personal statement definitely and we'll all be lo looking for. We'll always be looking for buzzwords. So if you mention audit, exactly. we want to hear clinical governance. We want to hear uh, it's a cycle, safety, re-audit, uh, smart objectives, exclusion criteria, yeah. inclusion criteria, all that kind of stuff. And then we want to know how are you going to incorporate this into your current job? And you know, if you're going to be if you're going to be applying for a job that perhaps includes you to do a diploma well for that a particular diploma are you going to need to complete an audit at some point so that kind of shows us that you're already looking at you know areas of development and how you're going to mm. how you're identifying your own learning needs yeah I also thought that when I went through my medicines information rotation um, I gathered a whole host of skills that I didn't have um, prior to doing that MI um, work so that is also something that you could 
definitely a lot of you are going through a medicines information rotation in hospital and that's really important um, to discuss as well. Um, in, in community, obviously, you need to talk about all the enhanced services that your pharmacies provided and where you're getting involved. And did you do any audits that demonstrated the the positive benefits of MURs or, you know, smoking cessation programs or weight loss programs? Um, these are all really important things to to discuss. And this year for a lot of people, COVID is a big has had a big impact, uh, especially in community pharmacy. There's so much to talk about um, in terms of a pressured environment, especially in the in the first wave, and how you cope with that. You know, because one of the questions that always comes up in interviews is how do you cope with stress. Um, so think about these things as well. And yes, like Poonam said, think about where it says um, A for application or I for interview. And when you look at your personal statement, have you covered everything in terms of the skills for the application itself? And then when you look at the interview skills, make sure that you've got examples of everything that you, you've done, these nitty gritty examples of yes, like in interventions or changing doses because of vancomycin levels, et cetera. Those are examples of things that you can describe when you're talking and answering questions in an interview. Um, I don't think it's necessary for the application stage. Yeah, um, what was your, what's your experience on preparing for interviews? So I, again, I, I use the person spec and um, job description and I'll, I'll never sort of, I'll always have about two or three examples up my sleeve um, per point. And the reason for that is sometimes um, you can get asked a question in, it kind of seems like it's the same question, but asked in a different way. Um, so one might be talk us through an intervention and you might talk about vancomycin, but your next question in your interview might be, tell us about a time where you've influenced a prescribing decision. Um, and, you know, it, that might be your same example. So it's always good to have more than one example, if you can, up your sleeve, um, because often that's where candidates might get, get caught out. And uh, mm. in terms of interview prep itself, I, I, I have sort of a question bank. So I, you know, it, I know that when I go into an interview, um, if I was applying for a job, I don't know what they're going to ask me. I, I have a, a rough idea based on the job description person spec, but for me, I know that there's two questions that are always going to be a given in ent any interview. And those two questions I can prepare for. I can do my homework. And those questions are going to be why here and why you? So those two questions you need to prepare for before you go into an interview, I would say. Um, 100%. Uh, and I think that's, that's where candidates sort of, I find sort of in, in interview, um, you can tell whether they've done their homework or not. Because actually... Mm, some of them fumble. Yeah, and, and why here <laughs> is such a, a good place for you to start in terms of showing your employer that you have done your homework I always tell um sort of the can candidates or like pre-regs or sixes or sevens that that ask me for interview advice and stuff I always say make sure you have a few stats up your sleeve because you know it just shows that you've you've done your homework like even things like you know how many inpatients do they have every year do they have any specialist departments how many outpatients are they seeing every year any pharmacy achievements that you can talk about anything you'd like to get involved in in terms of the research that they're doing there you know there's so much mm. that can show an employer why you want to work for them and you guys have so much like so many resources compared to when I was applying yeah we used to rely on the hospital website yeah. so much to gain information and we never had insider access because we might not know anyone who already no. works there. Yeah. LinkedIn is like your life I now. Know. Everyone um, should sign up to it definitely. and start using it and connecting with professionals. You can look and see um, what employer is that you want to work for and see what pharmacists work there, see what they're doing, what specialist areas they're in. Um, they may have links on their profiles in terms of, you know, research that they've been doing or projects they're working on. Um, and you, by all means, reach out to people you know, message someone professionally and say, well, look, I'm, I want to apply for this job. And, um, you know, 
these are the kind of questions that are coming through my head in terms of why I should apply for a role at this organization. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience or do you have time to take a phone call? I get these messages all the time now because of the podcast and I never say no. So don't be afraid to to reach out to people. I mean, I've reached out to people on Twitter um, to come onto the podcast and I don't know them. Um, and it, it's just a case of having that confidence to just kind of just do it. What Because what's the worst that can happen? They're not going to answer. And that's fine. Um, I'm not saying please do not go out and hound everyone on LinkedIn. But if you've got specific questions or you're really intrigued about something and you feel like that person might be able to answer the question, then yes, send them a message and and be very kind. Um, But don't send a message to every single person who works within that trust within pharmacy and hope that someone gives you an answer back. but, you know, there's there's ways of reaching out to people and getting that support um, and rely on your your tutors. Um, if you're in an environment um, where you've got multiple pharmacists around you, like talk to people, connect with people and just say, like, oh, I'm applying for these jobs. Um, this is my interview prep. Would you you know, be able to find some time to have a look through the kind of questions and answers that I've prepared. Um, and like Poonam said, I also have a massive bank of questions. Every time I have an interview, before I leave that that pharmacy, I'm on my phone writing down as on my phone, writing down every question that I can remember that came up. And that, that bank of questions has stayed with me for years. I used to do it all on paper, but now I do it on my phone. Um, and it, it does make a difference because I can see trends in terms of what types of questions are coming up and then I prepare for them. So like a lot of, when I was a junior, like a lot of times, you know, talk about your strengths and weaknesses. Um, you know, how do you manage your stress levels always comes up. Um, there is always some sort of problem solving or prioritization question that comes yeah. up. Like um, definitely when I did a band six interview, they gave me a list of jobs to do. Yes. And you had to explain um, which ones you would do and in what order and why. So they they got to understand your thought processes. They understood, um, you know, what you would prioritize and why, like what's urgent and what can wait and why. And there's no right or wrong answer. And um, there may be some obvious things that need to be done ASAP, but in terms of your thought processes and why, um, it will be different to the next person. And that's absolutely fine. Um you know, think about, yeah, definitely. And I always, another question that I always answer as well is tell me about yourself. Like, so like Poonam said, you know, why here and, and why you, I would add in, um, tell me about yourself. I always write down a paragraph about myself and then memorize it. And then when I have that as my first question and I'm super nervous in an interview and that question comes up because it generally does, then you can, you've got that and it gives you that confidence because you've then got to the point where you're like, you know what? I know this answer. I can do this. I can explain myself. I've prepared for this. This is not a wing it answer. I know what I'm going to say. And it gives you the confidence and it gives um, the employer an excellent first impression. Yeah. So think about that when you're kind of applying for interviews. Definitely. Sorry, I cut you no, off. No, no, I was going um, to say, yeah, so th- there you go. That's like three questions you know are going to come up that you can prepare for. Um, I was going to add with the prioritization um, question. So that, that always comes up in band six interviews in some way, shape, form or the other. They might not give you examples, but they will ask you about your prioritization skills. Sometimes they don't give you all the information so they might say to you, you are a resident pharmacist and the telephone is going off. There's a nurse at the hatch. Um, you've just been bleeped by ITU. Um, there's an, the, the site practitioner is calling um, on another phone or something. And then they leave you to ask questions. So you mm. need to divulge a little bit further. You know. So at first mm. glance, if they're telling you that there's a bleep from ITU, you know, you might think, okay, I want to answer this first. But it could be that they're requesting stock then and it's not needed urgently kind of thing, you know. So it's about asking the, the appropriate questions as well and think out aloud. When they give you time, they'll, they'll say, okay, we want you to look at this drug chart, for example. Um, sometimes you'll be running through it and making notes and stuff. And that is always really um awkward if the candidate is doing in silence because you know it just makes it it 
it just makes it awkward for for them and also as an employer as well your or interviewer it, it the silence is a little bit awkward whereas actually what, what what i would suggest is thinking out loud because that way if if you're say for example writing down notes so you've thought of something but you haven't said it the interviewer won't know that you're thinking about that whereas if you think out loud and you, they know about your thought thought process as well so i'll always when we're doing mock uh, interviews with the pre-regis for example i'll give them a drug chart and I, and I won't tell them this initially, but then afterwards I'll be like, okay, right. Um, so this is this particular patient. I would check the date of birth, make sure it's the correct patient. Um, you know, I would check the allergy status, confirm that with the patient. Is there VTE risk assessment done? You know, just talking out aloud, and that way your interviewers know your thought process as well. Because if you're sitting there exactly. in silence, they're not going to know that. And you're and you're wasting time and making yourself nervous exactly. as well. And you're not able to think because you've got three people potentially staring exactly. at you, waiting for you yeah. to speak. I had a very structured way of looking at the drug chart, and it's how I used to look at drug charts when they were paper as as a pre reg or a junior pharmacist. And it's always you talk out loud how you would act on the ward. That's it. Just pretend, yeah. pretend you are on the ward and this is the first time you see this drug chart and the first time you're actually reviewing this patient. You always check the name and date of birth, you check the age, um, you check the weight, you check the allergy box is completed um, and, and what it indicates, what's on there. Um, the front of the drug chart usually has stat doses, so you can look and see what's been given. I check which ward it is because if it's A&E and they've been in for less than 24 hours, a drug history is unlikely to be done versus a ward where you can see the admission date and they've been there for two weeks. So you'd expect a, a drug history and a medicines reconciliation to be done. Um, and then when I open up the drug chart, I go through each individual drug um, in itself. So you might say, you know, you might see paracetamol, so you'll 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 speak out loud and say, okay, this paracetamol, it, it's one gram four times a day, standard adult dose. It's being given orally, and in the old paper drug charts, they used to put PO slash IV, which you know we did we didn't really like because we weren't really sure what the nurse was actually administ administering, um, unless they were signing that what they were giving, which was hardly ever. Um, so you can make that comment to say, well, actually, you know, they've put two routes of administration here and this is a safety issue because we're not really sure um, what's actually being administered, but all the other drugs um, from what I can see are oral and there's nothing to demonstrate this patient is nil by mouth or unable to have um, oral medications, for example. Um, if you if you come across a, a medication like warfarin, you know, make sure that you think about um, the indication, um, the fact that the patient needs an INR, how often, what kind of range you're looking for. Is that range documented on the drug chart? You know, what are the blood results looking like? Yeah. Um, and then also don't forget what you're monitoring um, for any drug. Even if you're looking at Ramapril, like tell people, like, you know, we're monitoring people's blood pressure. Yeah. Like it's really obvious, yeah. um, but they expect you to say it out loud. So, um, you know, say that, you know, this this dose is fine, the route is fine, um, and they brought in their own medications. We can see that someone's documented patient's own drugs, so they've been on it before, um, but we'll monitor for blood pressure, um, you know, uh, or, you know, other drugs, you, you, whether you're monitoring for heart rate or you're monitoring creatinine clearance because you know that this may affect their kidney and depending on what they've come in with, which you won't be aware of potentially when you're reviewing that drug chart, you need to think of all those aspects. So think about the drug itself, the route, um, the dose, um, there will be drug charts where there's signatures missing. Yeah. So you make sure that you, you catch yeah. the signatures missing because it's not then yeah. um, a legal prescription. If there are numbers on the chart because the patient's not had that medication for several doses, make sure you mention it that, oh yeah, well, it's supposed to be given yeah, regularly, but they've missed three doses. Why? Is it something that they don't have supply of? Is it that the patient's vomiting and they're unable to take that tablet? You know, you need to say those things out loud. And after all of that, um, I usually then do interactions last. So then I have a brief overview of the drug chart, look at the potential drug-drug interactions or drug disease interactions. Um, and I also think about kind of the timings of the drugs to make sure that, you know, is levothyroxine taken first thing in the morning on the drug chart or if they put it at night? And if it is at night, 
don't automatically assume it's wrong. It may be what the patient was doing at home. Um, and it's a case of mentioning, well, usually we take it in the morning. Let's investigate with the patient why they take it at nighttime and explain to them that it's better taken in the morning on an empty stomach um, and see what their reasoning is for it. They may forget it every single day. So they've had no option but to change it to nighttime simply because their memory fails them in the mornings. Whatever it is, you need to say those things out loud. Um, And then obviously the PRN or when required medications, go through those. Don't forget that you've looked at the allergies and that you've checked that those allergies are documented and what the reactions are, but then check that there are no drugs on the chart like antibiotics where a a patient has had anaphylaxis or some form of reaction because you'll always get antibiotics um, on on kind of drug charts for band six. Or things like uh, nut allergies. Jobs. So if they've got an allergy to nuts, have they been prescribed Adcal D3, for example? Or, or yeah. you know, something that's got peanut oil in it. That's always something that catches a lot of people out as well. Exactly. But if you have structure and you've developed that structure as a pre-registration pharmacist, then it's basically just what you would do in your day that's job. It. But speak out yeah. loud. But you see, it's such a difference, Anisha. Like you just spoke through the drug chart and what you would do and stuff and how much more information the interviewer can actually glean from that rather than if there's say for example silence for five minutes and then you just run through like yeah. you know this 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 kind of thing they, they can tell what your thinking process is like yeah and if you don't know something just admit please it. admit it <laughs> yeah please don't waste yeah. your time just say the best answer I, I really don't know what this drug is used yeah. for, but if I was on a ward, I would look it up in these That's places it, you know? and, you know, speak to the patient as to why they're using it. You know, think outside the box. Yeah. Um, it's the same with the prioritization questions or, you know, being told that these six things are happening to you at the moment, whether it's the nurse at the hatch and answering phones and answering bleeps. Um, think of the bigger picture in terms of the, environment that you're in so you're usually it's a dispensary environment or maybe a medicines information environment you're not the only person working there and I know on a night shift you usually are but you could always say that actually yep it depends on what time of day if this is at 7 p.m I may have two or three people with me and if it is at that time hello I can delegate I can ask other people to support me because this is what pharmacy and team working is all about. It is not the case of you having an answer to every single question and having to do it on your own. We want you to delegate. We want you to demonstrate that you have the ability to share out the workload and get things done in an appropriate time efficient manner. And that can't be done by yourself all the time. So just think about those things. Or if you don't know something, admit. Um, and think about the resources that you would use and tell them what resources you would use. You can say, I'm going to look on the BNF, I'm going to look on the hospital formulary, and I'm going to look in the SPC and check. Um, So it's just kind of um, thinking and speaking out loud, um, which you're probably not so much used to but practice that on your own because once you get used to it it's so easy and that it, it's not a case of preparing for every single drug that you think might come up that's the worst thing to do when you prepare for an interview you are studying for the pre-reg exam your knowledge is going to be good and the knowledge that you have is what we expect you to have we're not expecting miracle answers here where you know every interaction in the bnf they are going to be very obvious ones that you should technically be aware of as a pre-reg pharmacist so don't spend loads of hours studying the bnf for the interview focus on your skills and your personality and your technique and just one other thing with regards to the drug chart sometimes and I've I've had this in previous interviews where um I remember looking through a drug chart once and a patient was on a low molecular weight heparin um and and a couple of other drugs that would sort of um increase your risk of of bleeding and um they had prescribed a heparin infusion in the infusion section um and a lot of people didn't obviously have a look at the back of the drug chart and see whether there any infusions were running and that's the same for corrections as well so if they've given you bloods and a patient's potassium is high for example just make sure there aren't any potassium corrections on that side um because they 
they tend to catch people out with that because it's not something that that you might necessarily be looking at when you're going through the drug chart. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of things. Yeah. And I think it's just structuring what you want to say and, and, and doing it in order so that you don't forget. That's the easiest way that I can tell you to do it because it's what I've experienced before and it's worked. It does work. Um, in terms of the actual interview itself, um, one thing that I I also have learned from my own mistakes is when you listen to the question, if you haven't fully understood it or you, I get you, maybe sometimes you might need a little bit of extra time yeah. to find an answer because some questions are going to throw you off. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. Yeah. That's absolutely Because it, it shows fine. your interviewer that actually you want to think about the answer and you want to provide mm. something coherent instead of waffling. Exactly. Um, which is absolutely fine. And you can ask them to repeat the question. Yes. Ask them again, please, do you mind repeating the question? It doesn't make you look bad. It doesn't make you look like you're not listening or that you, you know, that you're not as good as any other candidate. It's just a, a case of helping you to figure out what it is that you want to say and, and give a clear answer. And, and no one's going to think anything of it. So if you need someone to, I d I've done it recently in the last year, I've had to ask someone to repeat a question because sometimes it has two elements it to it. And, I, and, and I've got the first answer down, but then I've forgotten what the second half of the question even said. So I've had to ask them to kind of, um, you know, re-inform me of the question. Um, and so, you know, don't be afraid to, to do that. And do take your time, um, you know, do, do sit and think about what you want to say. Um, I always, always have a million and one examples of things like as a pre-reg, I think the best thing to do for interview prep is to go through, um, your portfolios of evidence and look back at things that you've achieved during your pre-reg year. Cause there may be clinical interventions that were really, really interesting that you just forgot that you had you've done um because they might have been in the first six months of your pre-reg year and and you know you've just forgotten and and that's normal so go back through your folders or um as some people are using vq manager um online so go back through your evidences and have a look and see if you can find examples of things which demonstrate the skills that the person's specification asks and for. link it back to the post that you're applying to you know so if you've done something or if you've you know, made an intervention or you've had to look up something um, using various different uh, MI resources, then, you know, bring it back to the fact that you are going to be um, working as a pharmacist and you will be dealt queries that you might not have the answer to, but you know where to look for answers, information, things like that. Exactly. I mean, that's quite a, a, a really, we've given a really good kind of overview of, of interviews yeah. and thinking about personal statements and, um, you know, writing for applications. I don't know if you have any other comments to share before we kind of close no. the podcast. I had a question today. for you. Um, Ooh, <laughs> what's the toughest interview question you've ever been asked or any Ooh. that sticks out? When I was a junior, I used to really despise the questions about um, – like national, you know, government documents like the white paper. I used to hate those questions. And I think I just wasn't necessarily aware of the documents in detail yeah. or how they relate to the bigger picture yeah. in terms of pharmacy. Because when you're exposed to your pre-reg year, it's not like someone really sits down with you and talks about the regulation or where pharmacy's headed or what the government's planning to do and why these papers are in place. And I probably didn't focus my own personal time looking into those things back then. So I didn't have that much awareness. Um, so it would always kind of be the case that I'm last minute looking things up. And then this is, this is where interview prep comes into place because I used to struggle with that question because I'm not prepared for it. That's, that's one of the reasons. Um, I, I genuinely recently, let me think, I have had some horrible ones. Um, where's my Word document? Let me find it. Because <laughs> I've got all my, um, my interview questions written down. What's your worst question while I look that up? My worst question, um, 
so I think one thing is when we we go into interviews, we all focus on our strengths, and why wouldn't we? Because we're going in to sort of you know promote ourselves, to sell ourselves. We want to put our best foot forward. Um, and I remember going for my interview at St Mary's, and um, the, I thought the interview was going really well, and then I got a curveball of a question, and they said to me, "Tell me about a mistake that you've made recently," and I, you know, it threw me completely because you don't prepare for questions like that. You generally, you don't want to tell them, you know, for a start, if there's some some flaw or weakness, like, you know, but actually those are the questions that, that, you know, are really sort of testing your character, you know. Um, In that situation, it would be quite easy to be like, well, I haven't really made a mistake recently kind of thing. And that's not the point of the question. That the point of that question was they were looking at whether you are able to self-reflect um, and whether you are able to improve your working practice. Um, so I remember at, the, at that time, um, I had been working as a band six and uh, I used to work on the surgery ward. And uh, a patient had uh, had their surgery and went home out of hours. And the next morning, the nurse had told me to prepare the, the TTA medication for the um, for the patient and, and I'd done everything and uh, I'd supplied everything as a liquid formulation for the patient um, and dad had come in collected the medication and off he went um, and came back a couple of hours later saying that um, actually my son prefers tablets um, and obviously the patient wasn't there to be able to do a drug history because they'd left out of hours um, but it was just sort of it that was a certain instant that sort of you know made me realize that you should never assume uh, particularly for pediatric patients that everybody's going to want liquids for example you know and you do have younger patients that are able to swallow tablets and actually might prefer tablets um, compared to suspensions and stuff that might not, not might not taste very well but the, the whole point of that question where I sort of um, how I ended it was about reflection and how I did do a CPD um, on that and it taught me to never assume and um, it helped improve my working practice so it's all about thinking, and I know people always say oh, it's about turning the negative into a positive, but more often than not, it is, um, because if, if if your employer is asking you a question like that, you know, they don't want you to list, you know, all the mistakes that you've made in your career, but they want to know what you learned from those. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And and some questions, you'll get one or two questions like this yeah. in, in, in your interviews, for sure, where you it isn't a specific example of something that you might have done. They want you to really sit down and reflect um, on on why it's important yeah. to to understand kind of medication errors and and the impact of them, the consequences of them, and and how you will improve as a pharmacist yeah. um, and and self develop as well. I, I did have one situation, one question. I've got it written down here. Um, describe a situation where you needed to adapt your leadership style in order to bring out the best in others. Ooh, a, yeah. So a, when I answered this yeah. at the time, I had to go very generic because I just couldn't think of an example on the spot. Yeah. I had leadership examples, but I had already used them. Yeah. <laughs> so I had um, two um questions prior to this so one of them was basically tell me a situation where you demonstrated your leadership mm -hmm. and then which leadership skill do you think is most important for the success of this post yeah um so I had examples for that and when it came to kind of like how I had to adapt my leadership skill I didn't have an example so I had to go generic and talk about why leadership styles need to be altered for different situations. But when I came out of that interview, um, I spent some time on these questions and wrote down better e examples and um, reasons why I would adapt my, my leadership style to improve. Now, I don't think that question will necessarily come up again. It's just thinking outside the box here and just making sure you're aware that actually you could get multiple questions about a specific topic depending on the job like I was applying for an 8A post and obviously these questions are very relevant when you're going from a band 7 to uh, to an 8 where you are doing more leadership and they want you to be able to demonstrate that and they want to see what experience you've had already um, and thankfully living in Abu Dhabi I had a load of leadership um, experience but when I was put on the spot 
I, I found it really hard to, to get that example out of me. I couldn't, I couldn't find it. And it was, I fumbled for the answer. Um, so it was a struggle and these things will come up and your employer will know, like the interviewers will know that it's not the case that you don't have an example. It's that you've just got a bit stuck with the question yeah. and that's ab- absolutely fine. Um, I also had what are the priorities for this post for the first three months? Oh, that's an interesting um, one Which well. is really hard because sometimes the job descriptions are, can be quite generic yeah. and you're not sure what's happening in the workplace already if you're not a part of that organization. You don't know what they've done yeah. um, already and it's a case of, well, when you come into this job and take over, what are you going to do? Yeah. Like, what's your plan? You must be thinking about this. If you're applying for this job and you really want to work here, what are your thoughts on, on, on making the improvements or adjustments or how will you kind of integrate into this role, um, in the first three months, which is really important. Now, these, these types of questions aren't going to come up in band six interviews. Um, but it's important to know that the type of questions that come up will change. I mean, but they could, they could potentially ask, how are you going to prepare for residency? which is often a question that they do ask. So it's about thinking a little bit about the role and, and you know, what you're going to do. And, and if it is vague, if the job description isn't really telling you much about the job, well, what do you personally need to do, you know? It might be things like you need to familiarise yourself with, the, with their computer dispensing systems because they might have something different to what you're used to. Or, mm. you know, their electronic prescribing system might be different. It might be actually meeting certain specialists and having an induction um, with them before you start your residency shift. So it might be something like you want to shadow a resident on one of their shifts to see how things are done. So, you know, things like that yeah. to help you prep as well. So I think that stuff's quite, quite important. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, I think we've covered a lot <laughs> actually have. tonight. I'm quite impressed. <laughs> we've talked, we've talked loads and it's, it's nice to, um, yeah, have a catch up with you anyways. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's nice to share our individual experiences. I think we're quite alike in terms of preparing for interviews. <laughs> <laughs> the, the bank questions was the giveaway. Yeah. I was like, Oh, someone else like <laughs> me who writes everything down. Um, because I don't have, I don't have, um, the natural ability to go into an it like my husband yeah. that he, I don't think he'd ever have to prepare for an interview in his life yeah. like he can go into any situation yeah and wing yeah. it you know he's one of those people that can just talk about anything um and confidently yeah um and and I find that really really hard like I need to prepare that's it and I like my, just now you just ask me a question my confidence relies <laughs> on my preparation basically yeah definitely yeah. 100% yeah. I'm one of those people and you know if you are going for a job where you do feel relatively confident in in interviews prior I'll, I'm I'm so happy for you yeah it's a great skill to yeah, have to be able definitely. to go into an interview um, and wing yeah. it so yeah good for you if you <laughs> do um but if you don't it, it's going to be a journey um you just need to prepare well, um, think ahead, make sure that you give yourself a lot of time to prepare for these interviews and make lots of notes beforehand, whether this is electronic, you know, or, you know, on your iPad or your notebook. Um, or for me, I like to write things down. I like to visualize it. So um, I'm very much used to writing in a book, but I've recently changed to a, a Word document that I keep all the questions and my answers. And then every few months, I um, every sort of six months, um, I update my answers because obviously you've been doing different things in your jobs or achieving different projects or like, you know, getting published and things like that, those things are important to add in, um, in terms of your development. So, um, those, those kind of tips have worked for me because sometimes you might apply for a job really last minute. Yeah. Um, cause you've randomly seen that the jobs come up, um, by chance and it's closing within two days and the interviews in four days. So you don't have much opportunity to prepare, but if you've got that document available, it's a case of just reviewing it and then adding in a couple of extra examples potentially and not having to go from scratch That's all it. over again and yeah. freaking out. Um, so it has been really useful and I've, and I, and I will continue to do that, um, in my career. I'm not going to change okay. that method. I will, I will continue to write. Yeah. Um, so thanks guys for, for listening. This is going to be, um, episode one of, um, quite a few episodes with Poonam. 
on different topics. So, you know, please give us some feedback. Um, if you have further questions or need some advice, then feel free to email me or kind of contact me on social media. Um, I won't um, make you, I, I won't let Poonam answer all those questions, bless her. Um, <laughs> I'd be direct happy it to, to help, me and we can answer them. I'll, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, if, if there's a kind of, um, I, I have a feeling that a lot of people will engage with us yeah. and it might be the case that someone asks us to do a kind of Q&A Instagram live where we answer questions on the yeah, spot sure. um, depending on on what kind of questions people have so if, if this is something that you guys are interested in then reach out and let us know and we will find the time to support you and, and help you with that interview prep that you guys need cool thank you Anisha for having um, me again um, no, thanks. Um, you know, it's it's always it's nice to in, enjoy the um, evening with something like this to look forward to um, while we're in lockdown and we don't have much else to yeah. do. But actually, now I really enjoy it, so it's probably going to become part of my routine, regardless of COVID. Yeah, and, and I, I think it's really helpful. Like you know, um, just to to I, I wish there were podcasts like these when I was um, you know prepping know. for interviews and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, um, I agree.